everyone. My name is Lydia Kincaid. I'm the Managing Director of IIM, and we have Lee Harris, our Managing Member for IIM. Innovation in Motion is an early-stage investing platform. And Lee, the other day, I was talking with somebody who said, you know, what's the case for investing in early-stage companies anyway? Why should I even think about this? And um, what's your take on that? So I thought we could talk through that today. Lee, making a case for investing in the venture space in these early stage companies. And we can talk about um, how people might go about doing that. And we'll give a little plug for IIM and why we're so well equipped to provide that type of service for investors. Um, so Lee, maybe you can speak first um, to really the diversification tool that investing in early stage company companies provide as an alternative asset. Well, early stage companies are very risky. Uh, I think everybody understands that, but uh, that kind of risk uh, is really hard to swallow if you're investing in one one company, two companies, even five companies. Uh, I think statistically, we're looking at probably a 50% failure rate. It may be even higher than that for early stage companies. And early stage, we mean pre-revenue in many cases, uh, seed stage, uh, angel stage, you've heard all sorts of terminology, but uh, it is high risk. And therefore, uh, you, you need to have a portfolio of companies rather than just investing in individual uh, assets. Uh, <clears throat> what's the right size portfolio, some may ask. And I happen to think that it's 20 or 30 companies. Uh, which takes a while to build uh, to that number. But that's the level of diversification, I think, that is needed uh, to, to hedge the risk that we take. Uh, another thought uh, on this perspective is uh, what percentage of the portfolio of, of a person's individual investment portfolio should be allocated to early stage companies? And generally, uh, the professional Money managers say uh, alternative investments should be 10 to 15 percent of a portfolio, maybe 12 percent, maybe 15. Maybe some people are as low as 10 percent, again, based on risk tolerance. That's all alternative investments, which could in include real estate, which could include precious metals, which could include timber uh, investments, oil and gas. Uh so again, early stage company investing is part of that 10 to 15% portfolio allocation. Uh, but uh, again, this should be money that you can afford to lose because you will lose some of your money. Now, hopefully with the right diversification strategy, you will be able to recover those losses and then some and a whole lot some. <laughs> um, how do you how do you get there? How do you get a diversified portfolio. If, if you're an individual investor, where do you go? And I think that's a question that you might want to answer with respect to the whole notion of, of a group type of investments, uh, whether it's a syndicate. Uh, I mean, you might explain that. Sure. So, um, and we are going to talk about IIM as a great fit for people looking to syndicate with other investors, a little shameless plug here. Um, but in general, um, of course, it's possible to go about as an individual investing in 
startups and early stage companies. Um, however, we have several members of our investor group who have done that and continue to do that. By the way, they might not be exclusive to IIM, but they've done that in the past. And what they have found out is that it really takes many, many hours of due diligence, of looking for companies, of networking with founders and other investors, um, of putting time and effort into managing their own individual portfolio of companies and making sure that they're getting information and being able to provide value where they can. Um, it can be very involved to go about this um, on your own. And so that that's where I think IIM really provides a great service to our investors um, because we have a professional staff that manages every process all along the way on behalf of our investors. Our investors still make individual investment decisions. Um, so this current iteration of IIM is not a fund where investors just write a check and watch what happens. Um, they actually get to decide one by one which companies they would like to invest in through IIM and, and out and at what level as well. Um, we have minimums set at $5,000 per company, but some people invest all the way up to $50,000 or $100,000 um, in the companies that IIM facilitates an investment into. Um, we're not making a direct recommendation to make these investments. Um, people are, are really um, needing to make those decisions on their own. Um, we're not some sort of broker dealer um, or some sort of fiduciary to these investors. So I do want to make that pretty clear as well to our listeners. Um, but we review hundreds of companies every single year. Um, our, our principal, Nicholas Hens, I mean, he looks at at least 50 companies every month just to bring three companies to our group per month. Um, so he whittles it down from 50 a month to three in front of the investor group. And when we see those companies, Lee, at our pipeline and investor member meetings, um, we might only choose one to even launch due diligence with. Sometimes it's all three, but sometimes it's one, sometimes it's none. Um, and then that would get us ultimately sometimes due diligence, like turns out we don't want to invest in a company anymore due to our rigorous due diligence process. Um, but other times we do, and we will probably end 2022 making investments into six new companies. Um, and that's after seeing you know, 600 to 1,000 companies for the year. Um, and I think that can be just a lot to handle and a lot to manage a huge time commitment for an individual to try to do that on their own. Plus, they might not even be able to participate in investments in a startup at only $5,000. Um, most of the big venture capital funds have a minimum investment um, check size of $250,000 just to enter the fund and on up from there. Um, so this is really a unique way for investors to take a hands-on approach to investing in early stage companies. Um, and I think our team provides a lot of value to investors. Lee, you want to add more to that? Yeah. yeah. So the, the, the other thing that I think is uh, a couple things that, that are noteworthy here. <clears throat> uh, we are, we don't play the field. I think that's the easiest way to characterize this. We have three verticals mm -hmm. and uh, the discipline to stick to those three verticals, which are agriculture, uh, human health, uh, and that's primarily devices and services. There's no pharma and then animal health. Uh, and particularly, we're interested in animal health companies that might have a pathway to a human health application because it helps with the exit uh, valuations down the road. 
there aren't that many animal health companies. So we're we're disciplined in the animal health space, but uh, they don't have to have that human health pathway. It's preferable if they do in some way, shape or form. Um, a lot of early stage investing platforms, angel groups and angel syndicates, they do play the field. They invest in all sorts of things, uh, technology, fintech, uh, the, you know, consumer goods, uh, services, you name it. And a lot of times they're, they're small check sizes. Uh, there's not as much in, in the way of professional management of, of some of these smaller groups. Uh, so in my opinion, that's too much diversification. Why? Because nobody's an expert. We have domain experts in each of our three verticals that are in our investor group. Uh, and we have uh, consulting help that we get as we do due diligence, uh, both from within our domain expertise, uh, group-wise and outside. Uh, so we really have developed expertise in these three verticals. If you're in an angel group that is making uh, a $100,000 investment in a company uh, a that is a tech company, and then they invest seventy five thousand in company B, which is um, you know, beauty products. And I, I can keep naming uh, different uh, uh, types of companies. There is no way that anybody's an expert. Uh, so it's it's more taking a flyer on those companies than it is a disciplined approach to understanding what the the value proposition is. Uh, within a particular vertical. So <clears throat> I think that that's, that's very noteworthy. The other thing that I would point out here on an overarching basis is the non-correlation uh, of early stage company investments with the public markets. Now, what do I mean by correlation? Well, if you are investing in a basket of, of companies in the public market, for the most part, there's correlation in terms of returns. Uh, so the market goes up, your individual stock in a company goes up. Market goes down, same thing happens. We don't see that because we're not in the public space, obviously, at this early stage. The later the stage company becomes, uh, the more it becomes correlated with the public markets. But if we get in early enough when it's non-correlated, that, I think, is a real uh, benefit where investing is concerned. I like non-correlated investments. So if the market, the public market is up, uh, you know, I want to be up too in the early stage investing space. If the public market is down, it doesn't mean that the early stage company valuation is down or their value proposition is down. It's just different. And, uh, and so correlation is something people... People need to, to understand a little bit more because that is part of the whole diversification strategy here, uh, not just becoming part of an index uh, to the public markets. Mm -hmm. Of course, as you said before, Lee, it's still more risky. I mean, investing in these early stage companies, we do expect to lose, like you said, at least 50% of our companies and, and probably more really at the end of the day with how early we are investing. But the goal is that we'll be able to generate outsized returns such that even those one or maybe two home runs in the portfolio 
really carry and lift all all the returns um, across the portfolio. And that's our goal at IIM. Even though we are not a fund, we sure treat our companies and our as a fund and as a portfolio as a whole. I mean, most of our investors participate in almost any deal now because what they've seen is that dollar cost averaging tends to be a pretty good strategy. It is so difficult to tell in the early days which companies are really going to make it big or if there's something in the market or a pandemic that can really crush a company that we weren't expecting in the due diligence process. So we try to mitigate risk as much as possible and think through um, all of the challenges that a company might face, but you just can't catch everything. Um, so by allocating the same amount of capital to every company at this early stage, that gives that gives your portfolio a good chance of performing well. Nothing is guaranteed, um, but I think that's been a really good strategy, Lee, that I know that you have used and more of our individuals are starting to move towards that route as well, instead of trying to pick and choose which ones we think are going to be the biggest winners. Do you want to add to that? Yeah, I think too that the results so far speak for themselves. So we really started in earnest in 2016 with, uh, with, with these three verticals. So we've been doing this for several years. We've invested so far in 20 companies We've made 30 investments in those companies. We have two more that we've committed to uh, so that we'll, we'll be at 22 companies and 32 investments. We've had only one company so far that has indicated, and they have not yet closed their doors, but they're in the process of winding up unless they can find a buyer. And, and they got caught uh, in a, it's a, a science-based company, and they got caught in, in a situation uh, with respect to their IP and with respect to their uh, management, uh, and it's unfortunate. But uh, to only have one company out of twenty so far that looks like it's it's going to close its doors instead of ten, which would be much more uh, closer to the norm. I th- I believe that's a big uh, a big win for us. And why is that? I believe again, it's because. We do something that very few other uh, early stage platform funding platforms do, and that is that we specialize in these three verticals. And we have the expertise and the domain uh, experience uh, to, to pick the winners. It's not to say we're not going to have more failures, but I believe, again, if you are uh, an investor looking to, to get in, involved in early stage companies, whether it's our platform or someone else, Try to pick a platform where they're not just playing the field. I can't emphasize that enough. Uh, we've tried to de-risk as much of of our investing as possible by being this this disciplined and and the the rigorous due diligence, which again is not seen nearly as much in this early stage space. Um, we're investing three hundred to five hundred thousand dollars per company generally now. And, uh, uh, and and as you pointed out, in the aggregate, uh, that's that's fund like. I mean, we're we've invested over six million dollars so far in these twenty companies. Uh, we have a valuation uh, of those companies, uh, including one exit. We've already had one exit that was uh, was very favorable a year ago. Uh, and I think we're at eight and a half million dollars of actual value in the, compared to the six million that we uh, we invested. 
What does that mean? That means that there are markups along the way where companies have raised more money. Some of our investments have raised additional money and they've done so at higher valuations. And so in the industry, that's called a markup. So we've picked up some value. Uh, it's on paper, uh, but we also had the distribution from the company that was sold. And uh, so we're in a very positive space right now uh, with uh, the, the invested capital uh, compared to what its value. We we everything's book value unless there's unless it's gone out of business formally, or there's been an exit, or there's been a markup from a, a a higher valuation and another round of funding. We don't uh, unlike some platforms. We do not estimate what the value is. Uh, we, again, wait for uh, that higher valuation to come through some additional round of funding. Uh, so I think those are some some important factors that people need to, to consider. Uh, but the, this whole notion of specializing is just probably the thing I would pound the table the most about. Uh, you, you don't want to be playing the field here. And our, our investor group does have deep expertise in agriculture, animal health, and human health. However, not every investor does. And a lot of people in our group are from various backgrounds, whether it be real estate or law or insurance. Um, many different types of industries are represented around our table. Um, but we really have a lot of respect for the people um, who bring that level of expertise to our selection process and we trust each other. Um, when people speak up, we know that what they're saying is meaningful. Um, and we know that what they're saying has, has good intent as well as we're going through our due diligence process and we're all working together um, to make the smartest investments that we can given all of the risks. Um, I would close with that. Um, and again, this is a great diversification tool in general, investing in early stage companies. Um, it's potentially a hedge against what's happening in the public markets, especially at the earliest stage that we're investing in. Is there anything we've, else we, we've, we've left one thing out and that people are probably thinking, well, all right, we understand there's a lot of risk and correlation and diversification, but what are we shooting for here? And uh, our basket of investments we again, this is there's no guarantees, but we are looking to to try to generate a 10x return. So if we invest three hundred thousand dollars in a company, we have to see a pathway to that company being able to return three million dollars to our investor group. Uh, and if it doesn't show that kind of pathway or that possibility, uh, because the market's limited or whatever then we're not going to make that investment. But every investment we make, we want it to be a, a 10x possibility and a 24 to 27% internal rate of return on an annualized basis, uh, knowing that we'll have failures, knowing that we'll have some that aren't 10x. Our our first sale was uh, in the three, three and a half x range, which was very good, but it, it, it wasn't the 10x. But there was that possibility that it could have been a 10x when we invested. So I think that as we close here, people need to know that there is big time upside, uh, but there has to be to offset the losses that we'll also uh, experience. That's right. I'm glad you brought that up as a good closing um, for our episode 
today we are, we, we have big goals um, and our expectations, like, as you said, Lee, is that we'll be able to provide outsized returns. Um, and that's what we're shooting for here. Thanks everyone for listening.